Welcome to Creating Kesher, conversations about connecting. In each episode, I get to have a conversation with one of my colleagues about ideas, concerns, issues, and solutions to helping us deepen and improve our connections in marriage. I'm your host, Lisa Tversky. Welcome back, Doe, for another conversation. I'm so excited you're back with me again. Yes, I'm excited as well. Dove, when you and I touched base to discuss topics, there were two things that sort of right away came to your mind to talk about. And one was what we discussed last week, this idea that that in happily married couples, each spouse has a basic core respect for the other. And in unhappily married couples, they don't have that basic core respect. And the other idea that you sort of had mentioned talking about was this notion that the love and commitment of a good marriage is one where we see it as our right responsibility, honor to help our spouse fulfill his or her potential or goals. And I had said to you that it seems to me that the desire to help my spouse fulfill his or her goals is sort of the practical application of that fundamental respect for him or her. That if I have a respect, I want to help them fulfill their goals. And that those two things actually work together and aren't separate concepts, which is why we're calling this part two of respect, because if we have that respect, then what we want to do is help our spouse with where they want to get in life. Is that how you see it? Yes, 100%. Um, it's interesting. After I uh, gave you these two ideas and we discussed them, um, the Gemara the Gemara in Yavamas came to mind that said that uh, the way of a marriage is for the husband to love his wife like himself and to respect her more than himself. Mm. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's really those two, um, those two aspects of marriage that we're discussing is really this interaction between love and respect um, and how they go together really to uh, define the, uh, the fundamentals and the foundations of a happy marriage. So tell me more about your perspective on that, how they intertwine or uh, uh, coexist or support each other, or how are you, how are you viewing that? Well, because if we define respect as seeing this other person as a wonderful person and the image that uh, a person has of his or her spouse is as being um, someone that they find to really have special qualities. So then they'd want to help this person be able to actualize those special qualities and Mm. to be able to become the person they really are. Right. And, and just, you know, it should be obvious, but I think that it bears saying out loud that we're talking about the fact that this has to go both ways. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. That it has to go both ways with um, uh, the uh, the husband and wife, and uh, both have to be out there for the other one's best interest. 
and mm. to try to help the other person be the person that they are. And very often when couples are distressed, what happens is, is each person tries to force the spouse to be the person they want them to be. Mm. So the husband or the wife feel that they're not getting the emotional attention that they want. So right. therefore they go ahead and try to complain and to coerce their spouse to give them their emotional attention that they need. So then the spouse turns into someone that uh, is there to meet their needs. Uh-huh. And their needs being met are, are important. Both sides, uh, you know, both the husband and wife's needs should be met in a good marriage. It, you know, it, reasonable needs should be met. But at the same time, when we look at our spouses as just people that are there to meet our needs mm. and not their own individual people with their own goals, desires, wishes, fears, and struggles. So then um, we erase our spouse's subjectivity. And there's something very interesting about this that uh, the famous uh, philosopher Hegel, Hegel, so uh, it's Hegel. So the famous philosopher Hegel, so uh, he had uh, a metaphor that he used to use of a master and a slave, Mm. that what the master really desires is for the slave to recognize him as the master. need recognition but a slave who's forced to recognize someone can never give the master the recognition that they need uh-huh. so the only way for the master to get his recognition is to free the slave oh interesting and it, yeah and it's the same thing with relationships that as long as we are coercing our spouse to be the person we want them to be to meet our needs, so we can never really get our needs met. Right. I'll often, it's a little bit different, I'll often talk to people about the fact that um, the way that, you know, what is a healthy marriage? A healthy marriage is one where each person sees it as their responsibility to take care of, so to speak, right? To, to help them fulfill their destiny, as you would say it, to take care of them emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically. And that if each spouse is doing that, then each spouse is getting given to, but from a giving position, not from a taking position. Um, but, you know, I could see where in terms of this idea that that deep love or commitment is wanting to help the other be fulfilled um, or live up to their live up to their dreams or their expectations is that some people have certain expectations that don't have anything to do with themselves, which is what you're talking about, is that I need to make you be X or you be Y because my whole expectation or idea of when I'll feel fulfilled is when you are. And it could be when you are more attentive or it could be when you are the captain of industry or the Rosh Hashiva or the whatever. And so I can't really take care of you in terms of what your needs or your wishes or your dreams are, because that might interfere or conflict with what my dreams are for you. Yeah. And that really goes into this topic of projection. Mm -hmm. Um, We're 
I have a certain inadequacy in myself, let's say, that I want recognition, but I'm not able to own that I have that desire for recognition. Mm -hmm. So I project that desire for recognition onto you. Uh And then I force you to try to be the person that I really want to be. Right. Right. And that is, again, obliterating the other person's sense of self. Mm. That is saying that, you know, Nasa Adam Bitsalmenu, let's make this other person in our own image. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so I want to also talk about next um, when we're not sort of entangled with this idea, because I want to first help us untangle or help our our listeners to untangle from, you know, not not feeling or thinking or projecting their their needs or wishes or dreams into the other person. But then I also want us to talk about when, you know, when I'm not doing that, but when our wishes for life conflict with each other's wishes anyway, how we're going to deal with that. But let's do that as part part two, part three, what part are we up to? I'm not sure. Um, But first let's talk about, okay, so how do I identify or how do I keep focused on helping you with your dreams uh, or goals and keeping it separate or keeping my dreams and goals really about me not my dreams and goals for you, how how can we help people sort of be more clear about what's them and what's them because they're going to make somebody else do something so that they can stop kind of, we can have help people stop torturing their spouse. Right. So I, I think that in every relationship, there's always going to be a back and forth between um, between us seeing our spouses in a way that we'd like them to be and us being able to see our spouses for who they are as themselves. And uh, the goal is to not rigidly try to be a giver because then you become very depleted very mm-hmm. quickly. Um, the goal is though to move back and forth to acknowledge how you'd like things to be and how your fantasy and how we might, you know, and how we influence things through the way we want things to be. And then to also get the feedback from your spouse when they're saying that it's a little too much or something that they're telling you that they're them feeling impinged on and, you know, that you're going into their space and moving back to make place for them. Mm. So, the, it's it's really like a back and forth where we're negotiating because there's two subjectivities and there's two different goals and both are equally valid and both need to have a place in the relationship. So we're not trying to uh, make two people, each person obliterate their self mm-hmm. uh, in order to make space for the other person. We're trying to hold both of them and through negotiating about back and forth, like, well, you can't make this of me, but you can make that of me. Mm-hmm. So I can't be a Godladar for you to get your recognition, but I could be a Magad Shir that is beloved, you know? So, <laughs> right. So 
I may not be, uh, you know, worth $150 million, but I, I could make a living that's, that's fine or, you know, or I right. could provide you what you need and we could live in a certain way, you know, that could make you feel more comfortable. So there, there's a back and forth where these dreams then become negotiated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and and what I hear is is that it's about finding common ground. That even when I might want something of you that you don't want, that isn't it isn't over unless I'm going to be very rigid, like you said, rigid and perfectionistic about it. It's not over because I don't you don't have the same dream as I have in life or that I have for you, that we might be able to find some sort of common ground along those lines, even if it's not perfectly aligned. Right. We can make room for each other. We can make room for each other. Each spouse could say like, could, could surrender a piece of their dream Mm. to make room for the other person and surrender means to let go to let go and to be open that it could be that what your dream is may not be as beautiful as what your dream will become when you allow the input of your spouse to influence it. Mm. I want to go backwards to the point you made about, you know, taking that honest look and not projecting out of discomfort Uh, with your own needs or wishes that because you, now that we're bringing it down to sort of, you know, uh, down to earth, because you, let's say in this case, the wife doesn't want to admit that my dream is to be married to the captain of industry or to be married to the gondolador or to be married, because I don't want to admit that because that sounds a little bit, you know, full of myself or a little bit, whatever. I, I can't negotiate that. All I can do is pester you to believe and think that you want that because I can't say I, you know, that it really has to start with what, what are your needs and how can you be comfortable with them? Or if you're not comfortable with them, maybe that's a clue that they should be altered. If you can't own them, maybe something has to, some work, some, something has to be done uh, that's not just putting them on top of somebody else so they can own them. Yeah, yeah. And a, a lot of this that takes place is unconscious. Mm. So that makes it harder. That right. that makes it that makes it much harder. And and that's why many people find relationships to be uh confusing and mysterious and uh they really don't understand why they're so good with so many different people, but when it comes to their own spouse they have a very hard time being able to be uh, respectful and loving the way we're describing it. Because when it comes to our own spouses, we have to then, uh, we then go back into our very primitive needs and wishes. Mm. And it really, it's a, uh, it's fertile ground for projection and for what Freud called repetition compulsions mm-hmm. uh, reliving past traumas and trying to recreate relationships in ways that we're comfortable with, which are very uh, narrow our range of being able to relate and connect. So 
relationships are a very uh, are very fraught with landmines and uh, struggles yeah. people would not think or seek them coming in advance. Yeah, but I think that once you're there, if you're already at the point where you're feeling a struggle and you are um, willing to be mindful of what part of the struggle is yours, what part of the struggle you're creating, or what you could let go of that would end the struggle, that not because you have to let go of everything and surrender everything and you know be everything for everybody or everything for your spouse and feel like you have nothing, but if you can just try to make it you know, more practical or, or, or help people get the unconscious into conscious. If you start thinking along the lines of what could I surrender that would end this conflict, you might start getting a clue as to what's going on here, what's going on here for you, what's going on here for your spouse. And, and then you can have a more honest conversation about it if you can be honest with yourself first about it. Right. And I, I love this question um, that spouses could ask each other. And that is, what are three things that you really, that you really want in life or mm-hmm. three things you really want in this marriage? And that to really get a clear, uh, a clear vision of what your spouse is all about, what they're really looking for. Mm-hmm. And then, the act of love is to try to help them try to help them get those things and right, right and the um that so there's something about um going back to this place of wanting to help the other person to be the person they can become mm-hmm. knowing what that means to them and getting that very clear and then slowly looking at when are we coming across with contempt to to our spouses and it's very fascinating because we discussed respect last week and what John Gottman found in his famous research is that the biggest predictor of divorce is contempt right the opposite opposite of respect Mm -hmm. that that when there's this sense of what the other person is and what their goals are is looked down upon. So that is, that is acid to the relationship. Right. Well, you're almost already emotionally divorced when, when, when the relationship is permeated by contempt of one for the other, you're almost already emotionally divorced. There's no closeness or connection in contempt. Contempt is distancing and you know freezing somebody out and there isn't connection to that they're just you know you're halfway there in some ways right you know? right right what i would add to those questions is also you know if you're not willing to ask that question then that might also be a clue that you're not making room for your spouse or that your views of of what should happen are about you and not about your spouse um and that you're not that again there's no connection in 
uh, a relationship that doesn't include them and their dreams. Yes, yes. So let's let's step into it now, this idea um, about what if our dreams are significantly in conflict. There's the spouse who is not interested in my dreams, which is a whole other category. Um, a spouse that's not interested in my dreams and I can't exist in the relationship other than to be for him or her and his or her dreams. That's a different, you know, that's a different concept outside of the idea of marriage even um, in a lot of ways. But, but let's say we are interested, but they are in such diametrically opposed directions in terms of life. Um, how do you how do you tackle that or how do you help couples manage that or the individual? Right. And um, I, I think we touched on it a little before, and that is to to negotiate and to try to understand what is the core of the other person's dreams. So you mm-hmm. said it before, like you, na- you may not be the leader of an industry, but you could be a successful businessman mm-hmm. or you may not, you may not uh, be the leader of the industry I want you to be in, but you could be a leading academic. Like, right. you know, and depending what's really underlying that need, is it a need for recognition? Is it a need for financial security? Um, it would, the all depending what's underlying that, so these things can then be discussed and negotiated and... Um, and the goal really is is to try as much as possible to let go of your vision of how you want the other person to be and focus put your focus on how you want to be mm. and it's very surprising that when people are so in negative cycles they get so busy with who their spouse is that they then lose track of who they are and as they let the spouse be more and more the person, you know, let the, let go of and let their spouse be, they then have to face themselves. And they many times are shocked to realize that they're so depleted internally for mm-hmm. spending so many years busy in someone else's head and busy right. trying to control someone else. Well, and, and oftentimes I would say, and I'm sure you're going to agree with this, that oftentimes it's a, you know, in the first place, I, I'm doing that to avoid something. I want to be busy with how miserable I am that you're not X and you're not Y and you're not Z because however miserable that misery is, it still is not as miserable as what I might have to confront going on in me and what I might have suffered or uh, been traumatized by in my own world. And if I can take my misery and outsource it to you, then I can avoid lots of bad stuff. Yes, 100%. 100%. And, um, but one of the interesting things, again, is the fact that when couples are consistently uh, trying and it's pointed out to them that you are now trying to control your spouse, you're now trying to take over their subjectivity, that the, the, you don't have to work through every past trauma 
mm-hmm. in order to get these people to become better spouses and to become more engaged. Right. Um, there just needs to be an openness. And again, that openness could also take time to develop. Right, right, right. And do you think, you know, if, if couples are trying to negotiate or trying to find that bridge between my goals and my um, aspirations and dreams and your goals and aspirations and dreams, which don't seem to be matching up. So one of the tips you said is start, start by focusing on you and what you want to do to develop yourself to be in a happier, better, you know, more fulfilled place in your life. Um, so I think that would be one, one idea. The other idea you said was to ask those three, you know, ask those questions of your spouse. What do you want? And, and what were the questions again? What are three things that, uh, what are three things that a, I could do for you to make you happier? And what are three things you want in life? What are the three most important things to you um, right. in life? Like some people say health, whatever it may be. And then when you have that um, very clear in front of your eyes, it's easier to know what, what needs, you know, how to meet your spouse's needs. Right. And, and the third thing that I would say, you know, from working with couples is that if you're having this conversation with your spouse and you're identifying some of these things, to work on the foundation of creating that positive foundation first, that people are often so distracted by that big thing we can't agree on that um, they refuse to sort of, or it's so distracting, I should say, it's not necessarily about refusal, but it's so distracting that they can't manage to shore up their foundation of the relationship, which they could do if they would focus on the small things, you know, what they can agree on, what they do both want to achieve, what they already are both achieving. And that somehow or other, when you increase the positive, the import or the, the, the overwhelming, you know, factor of this other thing not being in alignment kind of shrinks often, I find, even for issues that seem like they're never, you're never going to get over this, they're always going to be at cross purposes, you're never going to get beyond it, that somehow raising the positive of what we do agree on and we do work together on and we do want to do and we do both share, it shifts the dynamic. Yes, absolutely. I've had the same experiences. And um, what I've found was that when there is positivity, again, this goes back to respect, that when there is uh, recognition of the kindnesses that one spouse does for the other one, or the caring that one spouse has for the other one, and there's acknowledgement of those actions, and there's appreciation, and there's a, a culture of appreciation, so then when it's easier for each one to try to move into the place of love, of trying to meet the other person's needs, of to make space for the other person. So, Yeah. Even in extremes, I mean, I've seen this happen even in extreme situations. And it doesn't mean that we 
necessarily come to a place where one does agree with the other or one does shift towards the other. It's sort of sometimes that can happen, but sometimes it's that there's so much positive that we've worked on that we figure out how to hold both realities in a way that we can both live with even though neither one of us is getting our dream in this area. But because we have so much positive now, we figure out how to hold both of those things and be a little bit unhappy around this particular thing. Yes, and that's why uh, therapy modalities that focus uh, for couples to work at home on talking about areas of disagreement, Mm. to me seems to be a... a, uh, kind of a dangerous way of going about things right to work on areas of disagreement which is important there needs to be a lot of positivity and a lot of warmth in the relationship to carry that yeah that's why the marriage education i've gotten involved in is all about you know the first few sessions building and solidifying and understanding and each week the homework no matter what we're dealing with the homework focuses on, have you noticed bids for connection? Have you tried to make sure to include in your repertoire of the week, doing something that you know your spouse will appreciate? Because we have to have that in order to carry us through the inevitable disagreements, you know, disconnects, life stresses, whatever it is. It's such a, that's such an important point. Um, yeah. Well, this has really been a great, I feel like time flies when I speak with you, Dove. Um, we could talk about this more, but I, I think that people really got sort of a core picture and some key tools for them to start looking at to address, uh, building this positivity and this working togetherness, that's a word, um, into their marriages so that they can be better connected. So I really appreciate your time. Yes, I really enjoy being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And don't forget to have your question or idea for a show addressed. Email me at creatingkesher at gmail.com.